Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Terry, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome you, especially if it's your first time here. And I am I'm very, very excited because today we start a brand new message series entitled Move. And over the course of the next three weeks, um, we're going to answer some questions that uh, maybe if you've not been connected to church, maybe you've been going to church all of your life, um, but you've always had kind of this sense that, all right, God, in my day-to-day life, I understand that, you know, that if, if you're God and if I, if I follow you as Jesus Christ, um, that I'm supposed to be like you, I get it. But did, was there ever a point that you got really specific? As if, if you were standing here, Jesus, with me um, before you went to heaven, was there ever a point where you looked at your followers and if I was there, you'd say, all right, Terry, this is how I want you to live your life. That if you want to know when you get up in the morning, And when you approach your day, you have your cup of coffee, the wonderful, wonderful nectar of the God from whom all things flow. Um, Sorry, I got caught in my coffee. I just, you know, I get there sometimes. But was there something that should be on my heart when I drive my car, when I pull into work, um, if I approach my day, if I'm a teacher of children, is there something that I should always have on my mind that you want me to do? And the answer is yes, there is. And today we're going to unpack that. And so if you always wondered, all right, is God specifically, am I supposed to be on task for you type A personalities? What am I supposed to be doing if there's a default? Wait, where am I? What am I? Okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That Jesus Christ actually gave that command to all of us. And today we're going to answer that question. If, if I'm to move God in this life, how do you start? How do you move the way that you want me to move? And in order to set that up, um, I went to high school uh, in, in the, uh, the the fall of 1989. I know it's, it seems like yesterday for me, but uh, if some, it seems like far ago. But I'll never forget, um, when you, if you go back to those days in high school, you thought to yourself, you know what, I, I need to make a, a difference. I need to be cool, you know, and, and that's the word now. I don't know what the word is today, but I need to be cool. And so you wanted to make sure that you don't, you know, you're not an outcast. You want to, you know, make friends and new school in the hallways and everything else. You don't want to get a reputation as being a dork or anything else like that. By the way, I love dorks. They're awesome. It's pretty amazing. But anyway, um, so I'm in there, and, and, and I'm kind of making my way through high school, and there's a dance that is coming up. And, and I want to bring you back, because those were opportunities, right? That if you went to the dance, you had the opportunity to kind of show off a little bit, strut your stuff a little bit, and make sure that, you know, people know, you know, the total package here. So the dance is coming up, and I don't dance. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm starting to panic because I'm like, this is the opportunity. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be sitting in the background and I'm just going to be like, you know, like this and just hanging out and watching. And, and I got, I got to take this opportunity to move a little bit. And so, um, I'll never forget, but it was the fall. And all of a sudden my brother who, who was, uh, graduated high school and, and he, he go out and dance from time to time. And he, and he was a pretty good dancer. I remember all of a sudden I hear music going on in his room and I never heard this song before. I didn't know what it was. Um, you might recognize it. It sounds a little like this. It's electric. So, thank you guys. So I hear that song and I'm like, what is that? Now, mind you, this is 1989, a long time ago, and I never heard that before. So I go in and I, I go to my brother and he's like, what do you want? And all of a sudden I, I knock on the door, open the door, and, he, and he's dancing, and I'm looking at this dance, and I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. 
1989. So I, I go, I said, oh, what is that? He goes, it's the newest dance. He says, I was out with my friends and we went and we, we learned it. And so just kind of making sure that I got it down because it's all, it's the rave now. It's just amazing and everything else. Now my brother's in college and college kids are cool when you're a freshman in high school. So I'm like, all right, I, can, can, I, can I watch? Can I learn? He goes, just stay out of my way. But yes, you could stay in my room and you can, you know, stay out of the way. So I start learning a little bit of the moves. And, and after about an hour, I had it down pat. And so now I am excited. The dance is coming up in high school. This is going to be amazing. It's a new dance. No one knows it. And I'm going to strut my stuff. So I get to the dance. Dance floor is there. And I'm just waiting for my opportunity. And all of a sudden, mind you, I don't know this song. I I don't know anything about it. But I'm listening and I hear a song that has a little bit of the same tempo and beat. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. So I wait. I walk out. There's about four or five people on the dance floor. I just, you know, and I start moving across that dance floor like never before. And I'm expecting shock and awe in a very good way. I got shock and awe. It was not a good thing. And I remember after the song was done, I just, you know, all right, walked off and I sat down with my friends and they're like, what was that? I said, it's a new dance, you just don't understand. And they're like, it is a new dance. But you know, there's a song that goes with that dance. And that's not a singular dance. It's a group dance for everybody to do together. So I did what most Christians do. I said, no, it's not. It's the coolest thing ever and I'm awesome. Needless to say, I didn't move in the way that I was probably should. It took me a long time to recover. It was great. You know, I kind of learned, you know, the the chicken dance I was really good at, you know, if you know, so I I made up for it. But I do think that that moment illustrates what we do as Christians. I think many of us, if life is a dance, I think God looks down as, as if this is the dance floor. And I think a lot of us are moving like I did that night to the wrong song, to the wrong rhythm in the wrong manner. And I think Jesus looks and just goes, Terry, I love you, but what are you doing? So I want to bring you to a passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew 28, 18. It's called the Great Commission. And Jesus Christ has this one last commission for all of us. And a lot of us in this room, we've heard it before and we've heard the scripture before. Um, My hope is, is I'm going to point some things out that maybe you never considered as we go back to the original language and the original intent. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open it to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. You can follow along on the screen here, iPads, iPhones, whatever you got. Here we go. Jesus Christ is standing with his disciples, and right before he goes back to heaven, he says this. He came and told them, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, pause. Now, a lot of us, we read that and we're like, well, of course, he's the son of God. He's Jesus Christ. Okay, he's got all heaven and authority on heaven and earth. And some of us in this room, if, you, if you're just kind of visiting and you're learning much, you're like, what's the big deal? No, no, this was really, really big. It's not just Jesus saying, well, since I'm the son of God, I have all authority over heaven and earth. Something changed when he said this. He was referring to an event that happened. And I, and I want to explain it. You know, long ago, there was, there was a young man in scripture that was born. And his mom, who perished because of birth, named this young boy, and later on became Benjamin, named this young boy um, Ben-Oni. And Ben-Oni, translated, means 
son of sorrows. And the reason why he was named son of sorrows is um, his mom, Rachel, had died at childbirth, so that was his name. His dad changed it because he couldn't bear the thought of recurring that event in his life. And so he was known as the son of sorrows. There was a guy by the name of Isaiah later in scripture that would write and tie back to this moment and said, just like Rachel died giving birth, sacrificing herself for life, there is going to be a man by the name of, and he doesn't quote him, but basically calls for a man, which we know is Jesus Christ, who is going to be despised by all, but he's going to suffer, he's going to take the sin of the world, and he's going to die, and he'll be known as the man of sorrows. And so Jesus, looking at everybody, says, look, now, because of what I just did on the cross, I died on the cross, and I beat death. And because I beat death, and because I fulfilled what long ago was told, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And because I fulfilled it now, my brothers and sisters, my followers, my disciples, I want you to know something. Now I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, this next word has value. Now, if you ever read the Bible and you ever come up to this next word, you need to stop. And this next word is this in the next verse. Therefore. And the joke in seminary is this. Whenever you see therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what is it therefore? You have to go. Thank you. Appreciate the laugh. I appreciate it. That's the interactive part of our program. But you go back one verse and you say therefore. Okay, wait, Jesus is trying to say something. So what happened is I have all authority in heaven and earth means something. It's almost like a consequence. It's like Jesus saying, because I have all authority on heaven and earth, therefore, what I'm about to say, you need to do. Let me illustrate this another way. Um, my wife and I, we have a son, 11 years old, and we, we prayed for a child for, for a long, long time, and then finally God blessed us with the opportunity to have a child. And I, I, I will tell you that because my wife and I chose to be parent, here are some of those therefores. Therefore, Terry, because you have decided to become a parent, you're going to be up like I did at 2 o'clock in the morning rocking your child with hardly any sleep. Because, Terry... You decided to be a parent. You're going to change a diaper that's going to have an explosion which is going to cause you to gag all the time. Therefore, Terry, because you have a child, you get to be there when after nighttime prayers and as you're walking out of the room, you get to hear your 10-year-old say, Daddy, I love you. There are consequences to everything we do, some positive and some negative. And Jesus was saying, Brother, sister, disciple, if you're in this room and if you are a follower of Jesus, there is a consequence for saying that he is my Lord and Savior. Because of his death, because we receive the free gift of eternal life, because you are a follower of Jesus, because as a church we are here to help people, next slide, follow Jesus, then you have to do this next thing. And that's how, and I, I just want to pause and I want you to let you know that Jesus was, if Jesus was here, he would look at you and say, hey, this is important. Matter of life and death. And here's what he says in Matthew 28, 19. Go. Make disciples of all the nations. Now, let me share this with you. There are many of us, when we read it in the English, we say, yeah, Terry, I got that. I've heard that before. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Some of you that have, have studied this a little deeper know that there is a different meaning. That when you read it in the English, it doesn't really give it 
um, what it needs. In fact, it actually makes us believe something that is not necessary the way it intended. And I'm going to explain it to you. If you're an English major in here, you're about to get really excited because I'm actually going to give you a little bit of an English lesson. Now, I'm a history guy, so you have to bear with me. But I'm going to break this down because I think it's important in the original language. And so if you don't care about digging in deep and everything else, go to sleep and five minutes later we'll wake you up. Take a look at this. The word go in the original language is a participle. Now, what's a participle? Okay, I just lost half the room. Hang with me. What's a participle? A participle is this. It's a verb that acts as an adjective. It's a verb that acts as an adjective. So the word go, when Jesus said go, what he's really doing is he's trying to describe something. And what that means is, okay, Terry, as you're going, that in life, as you're moving, so when you get up and you get your cup of coffee, when you say your prayers, when you kiss your kids goodbye, when you go on a date, when you do this, as you're going through all your days and all your life, that's what that word go means. It doesn't mean go to a specific place. It means in your life every day that you get up as you're going. And I'm going to skip the next word because it's disciple and I'm going to skip it. He says this, then as you're going and as you're talking to others, that you're able to live your life in such a way where it inspires others to want to know who I am. And as they want to know who I am, then they're going to want to also follow me. And if they want to follow me, then they need to get baptized. And so as you go, there are going to be some people that you need to help along the road to get baptized. Again, participle. Baptizing is a participle. It's describing. As you're going, there are going to be people, and you need to describe this, and they need to go ahead and give an example and tell others about Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Terry, that third word down here is teaching. All of us in this room, that as you go about your day, we have a responsibility. Look for opportunities to be able to tell others about who Jesus is, what he did for you, what it means for you. And then as you do, they're going to say, oh, I want that. I want to be baptized. And so those three words, as you go, teaching, baptizing, those are all adjectives to describe and surround your life. Now, those of you who can't help but look at the second word, you see that word disciple and you see an exclamation point. It's in the imperative. And if you break that sentence, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, What he really says in the original language is this. Terry, as you go, as you teach, as you tell others about what it means to get baptized, as you set guardrails, as you encourage, as you hold accountable, here is the command that's tied to the therefore. Because I'm Jesus, because I died, because you're a follower of Jesus, the one thing that is life or death and you have to do every single day is you must disciple. That's the imperative. That's the main point of the sentence. It's not the go. It's not the teaching. It's not the baptizing. It's the disciple. Now, for those of you in this room who have no idea what the word disciple means, there's a lot of Christians in this room that you grew up and you know that word disciple, but you have no idea the definition. It's very simple. Let me kind of walk you through it. Discipling is something of taking notice in someone else, putting your arm around the side. It's a picture of you putting your arm around side someone else and pouring into them on a consistent basis all that God has poured into you. And so when they have questions, you answer their questions based on what God says. When they have needs, you supply to those needs based on what God has supplied you. That's the act of discipleship. And so what God says, Jesus says to all of us is, as you live your lives, look every day for the opportunity to put your arm around someone and walk them through life. Now, here's the truth. How many of us do that every single day? I fail all the time. 
You know, a great example of this, I was in Publix the other day. Shocker, I know, right? Because you know I love Publix. I was in Publix the other day, and, and I'll be honest, I was tired. I had a long day, and I walked in, and I had to go over to the, the deli department. And as I was over there, I'm standing in line, and I'm waiting. And I remember sitting there, and I, and I have two choices. Um, I, can, I can stand, and I can observe what God's doing. Or with what Terry wanted to do is I can check the latest update on whether Bryce Harper is going to the Phillies or not. And so I reach into my pocket to grab my phone to be able to get caught up on the, on the sports news and everything. And I just said, nah, you know what, just put the phone away. So I put the phone away and I stood there. And all of a sudden a young girl comes walking by in the deli and I've never seen her before. Again, observation. Never saw her before. And she comes up and she's waiting on the person in front of me and then she gets done and then she comes. She goes, how can I help you? Now I got two choices. And we do this in life, don't we? I got two choices. I can answer her question. I'd like a whole turkey sub on white, extra mayo, a little bit of lettuce. In case you were all taking notes, that's important. I can do that. That's what she asked for. Or I can observe that she has a name tag. I can observe that her name's Tracy. I can observe that I've not seen her before. I can actually do what Christ called me to do. And I can say, Tracy. I said, sorry, I haven't met you before. And she says, no, my name's Tracy. And I says, yeah. I says, where are you from? And we start engaging in a conversation for about two, three minutes. I find out that Tracy didn't live too far from my hometown in Illinois. And all of a sudden it opened up a whole door of common thoughts. Then I find out that she had just moved here in this area. And then I find out she doesn't have a church to go to. And so it brought on, the Holy Spirit moved in a mighty way. And all of a sudden, it's, it's like Terry standing across the counter, putting his arm around someone and saying, oh, let me help you. And that's what Jesus meant for all of us to do. Not at Publix necessarily, you can, but in every place of your life. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. But then he continues on and he says this, not only are you supposed to put your arm around them, but here's what you're supposed to do baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, theologians, we've, we've kind of battled through this all along. What does that mean? What does it mean to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? And I read an amazing article, um, and my own sensibilities seems to think that Jesus was speaking to something. And so let me kind of lean in a little bit. If, you, if you're a Christian in there, you know this. Um, I would say this, that before Jesus... God's people had a relationship with him. And it was about the law, the Ten Commandments. Moses came down from the mountain, he wrote the Ten Commandments, and he kind of gave them to the people. And so the relationship between God's people and them were a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this, do this. And that's how they live life. Look, my life every day is not to put my arm around someone. My life is to know what to do and what not to do and to make sure I don't get in trouble. That's my relationship with God. And then Jesus Christ came onto the scene. And those of us that know the life of Jesus, you know what he said. He said in one moment, he said, look, I am not here as the son of God to abolish my father's law. I'm not here to put an end to that. But I am here to fulfill it. And the way that I'm going to fulfill it is I'm going to do exactly what his law means. And I'm going to get on a cross. It's all about the cross. Jesus Christ's ministry was all about getting to the cross and dying for all of our sins. And so the Father, the Son, they had purpose. But here, when Jesus said, go make disciples, he was introducing a new rhythm. The Great Commission, if you're taking notes, speaks to a new rhythm. The Father speaks to the law. The Son, Jesus, speaks to the cross. But the Holy Spirit speaks to a new rhythm of life for all of us. 
And I might be a nerd about this in a good way, but it's different. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not just simply, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross so I can live life how I want. Jesus says, no, there is a new rhythm. Baptizing in the name of the Father, respect the law. The Son, know what the law means, fulfilled. But now, Christian disciple, there is a new rhythm that you are to live your life to. And it's the Holy Spirit. And if you're new to church, we unpacked the Holy Spirit a few months back. I'll share it really quickly. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The Holy Spirit is Christ in you. And because you believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus left the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and was the game changer for the church. Because now as people lived and put their arms around people, the Holy Spirit said, Terry, talk to Tracy. Terry, right now I'm nudging your heart. Don't look at your phone. Don't despise the fact that he went to the Phillies and not the Cubs. Don't do that. Put your arm around Tracy. Talk to her because I know she's from your hometown and I know she just moved here and I know she needs a church to go to. And if you disciple, like I'm telling every Christian, it's your responsibility, then you put your arm around her and you have the opportunity to help change her life. It's a new rhythm, Terry. It's a new way of life. In fact, there's a theologian, Paul Fids, said this about this new rhythm. In this dance, the partners not only encircle each other and weave in and out between each other as in human dancing, in the divine dance, so intimate is the communion that they move in and through each other so that the pattern is all-inclusive. In fact, I suggest that the image of the dance makes most sense when we understand the divine persons as movements of relationship rather than individual subjects who have relationship. What Paul said is this, when you are dancing to the right rhythm, then as you put your arm around someone and listen to the Holy Spirit, you're listening and you know it is right by the Father's law. You know you're moving to a purpose because we want all to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit nudges us and guides us to success because we listen to him and he knows what's best for us. It's an intimate movement of all three at the same time as you move. It's not standing. Let me open my Bible to decide what I want to do today. Yes, we spend our time in relationship with God, but in the moment, it's listening to that Holy Spirit and listening what he has to say. Now, I love when Jesus closes and he says this. All right, as I leave you, I'm going to leave you with one last thing and I want you to pay attention. This comes from Matthew 28, 20, the next verse. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what was Jesus speaking to? And this is why the Bible is so awesome because you have to pause and you have to say, okay, what is the commands that Jesus is talking about? Okay, is it, is it you know, love God, love people? Is it love one another? What, what is his command? Well, he's talking about the command he gave his disciples. This comes from John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You want a disciple? Love them as Christ loved you. Your coworker, that boss that you despise, Look for ways to love, showing yourself to be that disciple. It's as if Jesus gave the great commission to give a new command. And you know what that command is? Dance. Dance. 
Jesus challenges each of us to stop just listening. To stop just looking. And to start dancing. You know, how many of you have been to the wedding? And and let me ask you a question. And I want to see hands in this room. This is participatory. How many of you, when you go to the wedding, when that music hits, you're on the dance floor? Let's see the hands. All right. All right. Really? You? Oh, my goodness. No, I'm just teasing. I can't see you. Anyway. How many of you, though, you stay in the back and you sit and you just love to people watch and you love to watch everybody else dance? How many of you in the room do that? A bunch of liars in church. I know it. I think that's what the Great Commission ties to. It's as if sitting there at the wedding, and here's what we do. It's like watching. Sometimes we just sit back and we see everybody else having an amazing time. And sometimes because they look foolish, we're afraid to get on the dance floor because we don't want others to perceive us in a different light. And I think Jesus Christ looks down and says, hey, because I died on the cross, therefore you must disciple. You must dance. You can't think about what others think of you. So what if they make fun of you? So what if they laugh at you? So what if what you do and how you live your life is different from them? Just dance. Get on that dance floor. So if you're sitting here today and you're one of those individuals that likes to sit in the back and you just like to observe, I think Jesus is calling you to the dance floor. And here's three things that I think we can do today to start dancing. First thing I would say is, look, observe. Observe those opportunities. I think the first step for most of us in this room is leave this room and look for opportunities to put your arm around somebody. The second one is is a practice. It's listen to that Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Sometimes we've got to put our phones down and we have to just observe and we have to listen. And last but not least, we've got to live to a new rhythm and it's a dance. Now, I close with this, and I'm done. I stood on that dance floor back in 1989. I was dancing to the wrong rhythm. I was awkward. I looked like a fool. And shock and awe was the goal, but it wasn't the goal that I should have gotten. And I think Jesus Christ is looking at all of us and saying, Terry, if you just disciple, if you listen to that rhythm, if you observe And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, that you will dance. It's time for us as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, to start dancing to a new rhythm. It's time for all of us to start dancing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for um, your command. And God, forgive me. Forgive all of us, Lord, in this room that we get so focused on our lives. My Father, sometimes we focus on what we want and we forget that you gave an imperative. You gave a life or death command, disciple. And so God, help us every day to look for opportunities to put our arms around someone, to have a conversation, to encourage, to point in the right direction. God, help us to learn this new dance. Help us to listen to this rhythm and help us to live a life of purpose. So God, may we start a movement here in this church and may it affect our neighborhoods and our community. We love you and we bless you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.